Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating division and community. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I am turning my microphone up, and I'm also the care pastor here at Hill City, where we record this and every episode of the podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Mr. John Wagler. Yes, sir. He has his wife on his lap. Because, <laughs> not because they're because they're cute, but also because we couldn't figure out how to get the other microphone working, which is on me. Close ultimately. and personal episode. Yep. This um, is the only time this could happen. This is truly, and it's it's adorable. Um, Wagglers, how are we doing? We're doing good. Should we harmonize this? Doing together? good. We doing should not. Ready? We should not. Ready? Doing good. Good. <laughs> I liked it. Um, so we are here um, to talk about, well, we're going to wrap up the Mars Hill segment. Correct. So you guys are off the hook. No more us talking about somebody else's cool. podcast or somebody else's <laughs> church. Um, and we are going to kind of transition into the next thing that we wanted to talk about. It's um, what we are going through. Well, we just recently had a sermon on it. We're talking about relationships. And today, without Lacey in the room, actually, we are going to talk about sex. Unless she wants to stay. I I guess. Stay. She could. <laughs> Um, so we are going to, uh, just kind of go back and forth about a book that John and I, and I think Lisa, you read too, um, just recently wrapped up and, um, maybe it's a one-parter, maybe it's a two-parter, we'll see, but we are going to talk about, um, this book, The Great Sex Rescue. Um, spoiler alert, we are going to have the author on, um, in a couple of weeks. So Super cool. stoked on that. Yeah. 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 We, 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 uh, landed a big interview. Um, so that's going to be on in a couple of weeks. Um, but before we get into starting our conversation about sex, we are going to do our new segment for 2022. Stay, Stay Furious. furious. Lacey, you are here because not just here. Just here. Not, not because it would make perfect sense for a husband and wife to be here to talk about sex, but because you're furious about something. Because I'm furious. It's counterintuitive, but here we are. It is funny, like you know, if you go like by personality. Yeah. Like how often should they like I have something else for stay furious? Because like, you would you would think it'd be like the opposite. Bubbly seven. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I've got a list. I keep a list. Yeah. So I don't forget the things I... to be furious about yes. for this episode. Because should we I know, be called in tears? As the apostle Paul tells us, keep a record of wrongs. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So Lacey, what what is read us off a couple of your uh, your furious your furiosities? Okay. So. Around Christmas time, I was trying to find books. Our kids are avid readers. They're middle schoolers and just read nonstop. And as parents who like want to know what our kids are taking in, I can't read all the books. So I'm always looking for like recommendations on things that are like actually appropriate for them to read as well. And yeah. so I went on Goodreads and hadn't been on there before. So I'm like searching, you know, for middle school, whatever fiction, that kind of thing. And I started looking, I, I was like curious about a couple of different books. And then I start looking in the comments and people are super mean. <laughs> Like about on, the books or each other? Each or? other. Like somebody like wrote a little review of this book that I was checking out. And then the people underneath it were like, you're an idiot. That book is not okay. Like, <laughs> but it's just about like young adult fiction. <laughs> I don't know. I was just, I know I shouldn't be shocked because it's still, I guess, a form of social media. But it made me so mad how mad they all were. <laughs> and You're... then I was like convicted about it. I was like, I shouldn't be this mad, but I am because everyone's so mean just talking about a book. I felt like when she said that, that it was like, you know, a show where like someone like was like in a basement for 25 years and then comes out. <laughs> and I'm like, the world you have so been weird. on the Internet. Right? Yeah. yeah, It's just like, it's a, I don't know. Just we, uh, it was so mean. It's That's funny. We like recently... Cash at school accidentally logged into one of my things on Google, and I noticed that he left a comment on a, <laughs> a um, I think a YouTube channel, a video or something that they were watching at school, like it was a approved YouTube video, and the, his comment was so nice. And then I started getting like notifications that people were replying to the comment, Aww. and they were all mean replies. <laughs> what? Luckily, he didn't see them, so I just deleted everything. But I like sat down on his bed, you know, later that day, and I was just like, "Buddy, we need to talk about comment sections." I was like, "You really shouldn't be in them." And he's like, yeah. "What do you mean? I did. I was just trying to be nice." And I was like, "I know, and that's the problem." I was yeah. like, "Comment sections are a terrible place to be." It's a website about books. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so like, disappointed in humans. <laughs> so you're furious at other people's furiousness about yes. other people's opinions about. I 
yeah. teen literature. Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that like you didn't find, did you find anything helpful about like appropriateness level or whatever? I mean, like ish. I just, I just went and texted a couple teacher friends instead. Yeah. I was like, I just, but that's but, me just giving up on websites. <laughs> Does so. Common Sense Media not do books? They do, but not all the books. Okay. There are just so many books. It's a lot of books. They need to, yeah, hire some more people to read faster yeah. or something. Million dollar idea, common sense media, but for YouTube. Mm. I mean, I wish my kids weren't on YouTube at all. Right. But uh, like if I could go to common sense media and then just be like, yeah, this person's fine. Or like, no, this person doesn't technically curse, but like they're weird or, you know, whatever. Yeah. That would be, again, like the books, YouTube is bottomless. But Right. I mean, but you should pitch it to them because it's it so helpful them. as a parent. Just yeah. FYI. We'd like to trademark that. Right yeah. yeah we'd like to trademark that. Where's our lawyer? We call. Um, cool. Do you want to share any other furiousness since you're here? I mean, I I mean, I can. You don't like sure. to be too negative. I don't want to like take away from y'all your, your, your furious times. I'm, I'm submitting to you today. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Men submit your okay. pod- men submit your podcast to your wives is like the most 2020 version of that. All right, I'll share one more. So I know we're all frustrated at different levels of our like interactions with the school system, but this doesn't isn't COVID related. So okay. um, you know they give our kids um, computers to just have, mm. and they do all their work on it. And I personally hate it. I can understand all the different arguments or whatever. But my issue that makes me actually furious is that they also did not teach them how to type. Oh. And so our now middle schoolers are typing in like crazy ways. Yeah. And like they can do it pretty fast, but like they never had official, like, you know, like we all learned cursive. Yeah. Like, why did, like, typing and keyboarding not replace cursive that yeah. it's just standard, everyone gets it? Yeah, so, it's, it's still, like, a seventh grade elective that nobody takes. Right. That's so I just point. think it's dumb. Now I'm furious about that. Thanks. <laughs> I always just thought it was because Cash had some, you know, certain challenges, but apparently it's everybody. Yeah. It's they, just weird, like, they hunt and peck, yeah. you know, but, like, not with one finger. It's, like, they do it with, like two fingers it's like watching an old person yeah like on on some sort of stimulant (laughs) like going really fast (laughs) so true it's like watching superman type if he was really old (laughs) all right well thanks Lacey. yeah no problem i'm gonna let you guys talk about sex now (laughs) all right (laughs) um who needs a woman's opinion everybody (laughs) um so my furiousness is selling things on facebook Mm. i am um just shocked and awed by the level of like like okay so we have a pair of headphones that jenny got for christmas from her company they are 500 hundred dollar pair of like wireless over the ear fancy airpod they're like airpod maxes or whatever um they're really nice they're totally unopened they're new all the stuff i put them on facebook marketplace she she doesn't she doesn't want them she's not going to use them we can't return them because they were a gift so i put them on facebook marketplace for lower than their cost even though they're brand new literally people are like telling me to open them and show them <laughs> like to them can i and i'm like no this is a brand new product if i like break the seal and open them and show them to you they're worth less yeah i'll send you the serial numbers you you know whatever and pe- like literally this one person was just like, what do you think I'm an idiot that's going to buy an empty <laughs> box from you? And I'm just like, okay. First off, I am selling these under a Facebook profile that has like 12 years of, of there's pictures of me, my children, my house. If anything, you have me over a barrel because you know my whole <laughs> life of me trying to sell these. And this person literally argued back and forth with me, and like trying to prove to me that they're not an idiot and that I'm a scammer. And I'm just like, so in this scenario, just so I'm clear, I did not say this, but I wish I had. What I did was the ultimate conversation ender online, which is just to go, okay, and then not (laughs) say anything. But it's like, okay, so ma'am, in this scenario, I have perfectly printed a perfect reproduction of an Apple product box, which is, that packaging is complicated. (laughs) So I've perfectly recreated that. I have weighted it appropriately so that when I hand it to you, it feels like there's a product in it, shrink wrapped it, and then posted it to try to scam you for $400. I will then apparently roll by you after you've paid me and throw it out the window of my moving car so that you can never find me again. Oh, but wait, you have my Facebook profile that has literally, 
you know, almost 15 years of personal history. Allegedly. For $400? <laughs> if I was going to do all that, I would, if I was, if the grift was that intense, I would ask for $1,000 for these heads. <laughs> like, who among us does this for $400? I don't think anyone. Probably not. It's insane. We had a lady, we sold a couch. This lady asked us to deliver the couch to her. And then when we said we wouldn't, she didn't buy the couch. <laughs> she wanted a refund. She had already paid us the money. What? What? <laughs> Furious. Yeah. So, all right. There we go. See you, Lacey. Lacey is nice enough to hang around and listen. Um, okay. Well, that is Stay Furious for today. We are going to go ahead and keep trudging forward toward a conversation that will no doubt be full of size. <laughs> not not like uh, hot ones either, like really exasperated <laughs> ones. Um, I will go ahead and say something that I've always wanted to say on this show. This is a content warning. <laughs> We're going to talk about <laughs> sex. We're, we might, I don't know, we, we, we probably won't get too graphic, but it might not be something you want your seven-year-old to hear uh, while you're rolling down, you know, rolling down the road on your way to Chick-fil-A or whatever. Um, so content warning, we're talking about sex. Um, if you want to pause it or, uh, you know, listen to this later, now's a good time to do that as we take a break and then start our conversation on S-E-S. Y'all know we stay curious over here. Here, 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 here. All right. And we're back to talk about, let's talk about sex, baby. Yes. I mean, we were going to make that joke, so let's just get had to. Yeah. Point. I think the toughest thing when I did the sex sermon was trying to figure out what song I wanted to use for that, like cheap joke. I think you chose the correct song. I did. Which is Let's Get It On yeah. by Marvin Gaye. That song rocks. It does. That, I can't that, even. That has to be like one of the most, like when you play that, it has to be one of the most recognizable like opening. It's the most recognizable like three notes with a wah pedal ever, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like when anyone hears it, they, well, not anyone, but most people yeah. like know exactly what it is. And it you says know? so much. And it's not just like. I don't know. It's weird because that that song. Let's just talk about that song for the rest of the episode. <laughs> that song, like, really truly encompasses in so many ways, like what that energy is. It's yeah, not because it's, sure. it's like past sexual. Like sometimes I've listened to that song and felt like pumped up about non sexual things. Like it just that song gets me jacked. I love that song. Yeah. No. It was. Yeah. It's such a good song, and I. I but I also think like I don't know anyone else who could sing it. No Do you way. know what I mean? It's oh, like yeah, a, no it's one of those songs where you're just like, this This is what it is. I think the only remotely good, quote unquote, air quotes cover of that was Jack Black sang it for the soundtrack to that, that movie High Fidelity. And it was only good because it was clearly a joke. Like it was he was not trying to be as good as Marvin Gaye. But like also Jack Black does kind of have a killer voice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the only good attempt that I've ever heard at that song as a cover because that song is untouchable. Yeah. For sure. I, you know, it's funny. Like Lacey's like, what's the other song you were thinking about? And this is just, man. Um, I was like, I don't know. Like originally I thought like maybe Poison from Belle Bib DeVoe. And I was like, but you know, not everyone would know that one. And well, I'm glad you didn't do, I'm glad you didn't go smack the. Smack it up, flip it. Yeah, exactly. Rub it <laughs> yeah, seriously. So I kind of uh, had a question for you before we get into the meat of it. Like yeah. um, it's going to be so hard not for everything that we say to sound like a double on I know. Um, it's just an episode of that's what she yeah, said. Yeah, from exactly. Like the office or whatever. <laughs> um, hmm. So coming out of the like uh, Mars Hill, you know, conversation yeah. and you're, you're doing this, this sermon, you're getting up in front of, you know, whatever, a couple hundred people mm -hmm. in our congregation or, or in our community to talk about sex. Was it, was it on the top of your mind of like, don't come off as like intentionally edgy or don't come like don't make you know how how did as we sort of stop talking about the marcel podcast but like yeah transitioning into this like were you super self-conscious not so much like Ooh, i'm gonna say something mm -hmm. like offensive but more like i'm gonna come off as like a, a real sex guy you know or whatever <laughs> yeah. yeah there is like an element of that because when you coming off the podcast you know so much of that Mars Hill podcast and what Driscoll did was centered around sex, Yeah, you truly. know? And so, I mean, that is how he made his name, the ability to be edgy. I think there's a conversation to be had that, um, why was that so attractive to men? Mm. You yeah. know, because like it was the sex talk and the edginess that got men interested in what he was saying. And yeah. then he used that to essentially like prop up men in different ways and it became abusive to women and all or oppressive to women. And um, 
but yeah, there was a piece like as I was like writing down notes because I was like, I don't want to. There are elements of the conversation that you you want to say. Yeah, you want to be frank. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, but you don't want to do it in a way that you're trying to manipulate emotion or you know somehow be like, oh, I can't believe Wag said, yeah. you know, whatever. And yeah. and you know, like, yeah. So that that was definitely there because you know it's an interesting when you speak on sex. It's always like an interesting. Um, you take a step back because you're like, I don't want to like ignore certain things mm-hmm. because that's what churches have done forever. Yeah. But you don't want to go like too far because then you can quickly get into more kind of cultural narratives than mm. you can actually what you're actually trying to talk about, which is kind of the core element of what the Bible says about yeah. sex, you know? So yeah, that that's certainly sense. there. That makes sense. Um, So, you know, we finished reading this book, The Great Sex Rescue. Yeah. Um, Were you kind of... What was your big takeaway from that book? Because mm. I feel like that book had a million takeaways. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But for you, what kind of what about that book? As we prep to to talk to the author um, in a few weeks, what about that book? Like pushed you into like we got to talk about this. Yeah. Like, I haven't thought about it this way. What challenged you? Like tell me a little bit about your process in reading that book. Well, it's interesting because I I only read that book because it came on the recommendation of uh, a podcast I was listening to. And then I heard her on a podcast. I heard okay. her on actually Preston's podcast. Okay. And I was like, whoa, this woman is amazing. Like talking about this. And we're going through Ephesians and it talks about sexual morality. So I was like, I knew I was going to be talking about sex in general. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, a few, like you said, there are a few different things that kind of stuck out. One was how rare it is for women to be brought into the conversation in terms of like from an author, mm-hmm. authorship and everything. And her voice was the, the dominant voice, right? Yeah. I think that was a piece. Um, I think the way she approached um, how how her and her daughter, I also think like the dynamic of her and her daughter, yeah. like doing all this research together. I was, I couldn't believe the amount of women they surveyed. I couldn't... Um, the, the way that they looked at some of the like leading marriage books and how they said like, hey, these are some of the things in these marriage books that are bestsellers, like that are actually truly awful that they're saying around sex. There might be other yeah. good things in the book, yeah. but around sex and intimacy, this is really bad. And I started realizing, I'm like, man, I have actually recommended that book before. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, like there were things yeah. in there that I, I just never... I feel like I've been pretty good about trying to make sure I don't lean like one way in the topic and mm-hmm. like become male dominated yeah. and whatever. But when she was talking, I was like, man, I, I literally prayed mm-hmm. like when, after reading the book, I, I was just like, God, please, if I have said anything that like played into a narrative, yeah. like, please wipe that away from someone's, you know, like yeah. I, I really had like a moment of like feeling like really bad. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything specifically, but I was like, I'm guessing maybe there was something along the way because of like there, she references a book called sheet music in there. And, um, which was a book that I used to recommend, uh, for people to read like in premarital counseling. And I do, still would say that there's some good stuff in there. Um, but she pointed out some of the things that are actually pretty negative in there. And, uh, I was just like, Oh crap. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of the, for those who haven't read The Great Sex Rescue, the sort of the the elevator pitch for the book is these three is it written by three women. These three women use data to kind of pick apart yeah. the most popular books in evangelical culture on sex and marriage and relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't do it in like a like a nefarious way or like they don't do it as like they have a vendetta. They're just yeah. like, man these books say these things and and like you said like well-meaning people recommend these books a lot these are the most popular views on sex dating marriage relationships but sex specifically in our culture and like they're harmful actually yeah not, again you know not the whole books but certainly the pieces on sex yeah um i think it, and so it's these it's Written by three women. Sheila, I'm going to say her last name wrong. Hopefully when she's on the podcast, she'll correct us. But uh, Sheila Gregoire, um, her daughter, Rebecca Lindenbach, um, that's her married name, and uh, then their co-author, Joanna Sawatsky. Um, And they're three Canadian. I think they're all three Canadian women. And I wonder how that played into it a little bit, like having just that little bit of a cultural difference that that comes from just like crossing that border into Canada, yeah. Because um, they very much have like a relational and and pastoral tone, but it's very rooted in like 
here's the data. Yeah. This is what we heard women say of the thousands of women we surveyed. And it didn't seem like overly, um, overly preoccupied with like, here are the rules. It was really mm-hmm. more about like, here's what we found out. Yeah, what I, th- I thought was really interesting, their whole approach to the book was, I thought, fascinating yeah. because it was so well-researched. And, you know, they would do things like, you remember that one part where um, there was like kind of this, and I, I remember hearing this like years ago mm-hmm. uh, where it was like, yeah, if a man doesn't have sex in like 72 hours, it can cause like physical pain yeah. or physical, you know, and I was like, man, that sounds like a bizarre thing. You know, it's out there. And, um, but I never like taught that or anything, but I, m- I remember hearing it. Yeah. And so they went and researched, where did this come from? Because it's in several marriage books mm-hmm. as like fact. Mm-hmm. And it was from James Dobson in the 70, mid seventies. That dude was just saying it. Yeah. Pseudoscience. Yeah. There was like nothing behind it. It was yeah. just like, I can't feel this way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, that's what, that was super interesting how they, and I agree with like the relational approach to it too. It wasn't there. I do think there they are out of like kind of mainstream like American Christianity. Yeah. And so I, I think that was valuable. They're able to be like an outsider looking in though. They have felt it uh, recently. She was telling a story how she was a worship leader at a, at her Baptist church. This is just 15 years ago. Okay. So she, 15 years ago, they, that the elders of the church had to have a meeting to determine whether she as a worship leader could say anything in between songs about this, about the song, mm-hmm. because that might be deemed as like a woman like preaching to men. Crazy. <laughs> and so she, her point was like, imagine these guys talking about sex. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, so anyway, that even her experiences are pretty fascinating. One of the big points that she that hit me anyway in the book, which is something that I, I definitely believe, but have never really been able to put words to is the absolute ridiculousness of this idea th- that like um it is a woman's fault that a man lusts oh yeah like this idea that like she literally just says jesus doesn't say um if your eye causes you to sin tell the woman to be more modest yeah. it literally he literally says pluck it out of your head which yeah. we know he's being hyperbolic but like how did we get this thing of like sisters you gotta you know do xyz her approach on modesty, on purity was so good because it was like from a woman's point of view. And it was also not from, she was sort of neither attacking purity culture, but certainly not defending it. She was kind of deconstructing it in this really helpful way. Yeah. Um, where she, she didn't have like, I say she, they, like the, these three women, just the tone of the book is truly not like, we have a score to settle, but it's also pulls zero punches. Yeah. It was like watching somebody. It was like watching a. Um, it was like watching somebody f- fight, who's really calm. If you ever see like a, right. a kung fu master, <laughs> like somebody yeah. who's like not angry at all, but is just like crushing it at boxing or like yeah. you know fighting or whatever. Yeah, it's interesting because I think she does a, a good job of balancing several different points where she's like, "Yes, men are a little more visual than women." Yeah. You know, like she'll say that she's yeah. like men are a little more visual than women. That's just the way it is, mm-hmm. you know, for most men. And um, and so, but she doesn't like at the same time, like just because that's a reality, a man can't blame a woman. Yeah, for the less part. Yeah, you know, it's like because Jesus says, no, 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 it's in your heart. Mm-hmm. Like it's where it starts, you know. And so, so I love that piece of it too because that is something within the church that is not that's not your typical message, right? Like it's like women like careful how much boob you're showing, yeah. you know, you know, careful how tight your clothes are. Like men are just sexual. Yeah. Like predators. Idiots. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like all that was, uh, she does a lot of work in the book to try to, to try to highlight and debunk this concept that has sort of permeated evangelical culture that like men can't help themselves or yeah. that like men, every man is, is like a couple of bad decisions away from being a straight up predator she keeps bringing up this this um it's in one of the books about like a story about a man like masturbating in a parking lot like watching you mm-hmm. know women walk by and how the book that she's picking apart i can't remember which one it was is basically just like this is how all men secretly are and if we don't like work to keep them right. from being that way then and I, that is such an interesting and like um i don't know deceptive is not the word but like 
just low key evil thing that has like kind of worked its way into the evangelical like collective unconsciousness yeah, for sure. that like not just that hey women men no matter how nice he seems no matter how like how much he respects your boundaries or whatever no matter what be a little afraid because he's like a couple of websites away or a couple of missed you know sexual opportunities in your marriage away from masturbating in his car in a parking right. in a public parking lot yeah. you know or 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 cheating on you mm-hmm. or whatever and it's somehow on you to like stop that from happening yep and and like this poor man who's just so tortured every man's struggle i think is what it was yeah for. It was every man's battle that's the bounce man. your eyes one yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 um that really like i think one of the things that really affected me about that was i haven't read any of these books i've never <laughs> recommended them yeah. to anyone and kind of like with the driscoll thing i kind of pride my prided myself a little bit on not like engaging in this stuff just out of pure sort of like, I don't like mainline, you know, mainstream (laughs) stuff. But this book made me realize how much of it I had absorbed anyway. Yeah. No matter what. Through osmosis. I don't know if it was just through like men that I was in Bible studies with or counselors I went to or whatever, but somehow I had absorbed some of these like toxic ideas as truth. Yeah. Because I think they're everywhere. Yeah. Like it's not, yes, it's in the church, but it's, it's everywhere. I mean, like that's, you know, you think about movies we were raised on or even like language and rap music that I grew right. up on, you know, like when you go back and start thinking through the language, I'm like, man, this is horrible towards women, yeah. you know, and, but you, so you think a certain way and you're raised with it and you think about the messaging that you get and we all absorbed it. And it's even been a challenge for me with Max, mm. you know, in particular, who's 13 and I'm just trying to think through like, how do I, how do I continue to like help him think through this part and see like sex and sexuality in uh, like a God honoring way? Because, you know, he's getting all this messaging no matter what he's in middle school and stuff's happening. Yeah. Right. And, but how do we begin to have conversations around this that, so when he hears some messaging, he's not like, that's actually not me, yeah. you know, or, you know, that doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. That kind of thing. One of the big things that it revealed for me was that I don't, and I know I didn't get this from my parents. I'm pretty sure. I don't know where I got this from. But, like, I definitely realized that I was raised with a deep, again, not necessarily by my parents, but I came up with this deep-seated belief that, like, to be a good guy simply meant to respect her boundaries. Mm-hmm. But it was all on her to set boundaries. Right. So it was just like, if you tell me no, I'll stop for sure. The woman's always the gatekeeper. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, for, yeah. like, you set the boundary and then I'll just, like, follow suit. Yeah. But that has no... That's ridiculous. That's basically right. just like a slower, more roundabout way to become a bad dude. I mean, like to, to get yourself into a really bad yeah. situation where you violate somebody or like ruin someone's life. Yeah, because it's like the, well, the, left the door open. Yeah. You know, like, and so. Yeah. 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 It was, that was, that was something that I was like, dang, I really did. I really did think that for a long time. Yeah. And I, you know, I also appreciate about her. And I can't remember if this is in the book or if I like and I heard her on something else, but she also doesn't settle for women being like um, not part of the story. Meaning like, mm-hmm. you know, she would say like, this doesn't mean that you can just freely like use your body because you can. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or like not think through some of the realities of yeah. like, you know, why you might do something as right. a woman. Right. Like, so it isn't like a all the men are the whole problem, you know, and that's a conversation to have, but I just appreciated how well-rounded she is. Well, she really went out of her way to, and we've even sort of violated it already, um, but want to do better. She kept saying like, if you want to do one small thing to start to push this in the right direction, stop saying men or women and start saying people. Mm. Just meaning like people who struggle with porn. Right. Um, People who uh, don't have good boundaries. Yeah. Um, people who struggle with lust because yeah, like we were saying with the visual stuff, like, is it maybe true that anecdotally or even statistically men struggle with this more than women? Sure. But women still struggle with it. Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever it is, like it's, it it is everyone's struggle. Like it is not a man's struggle. It's like everyone's struggle. Yeah. Might look different, but it's everyone's struggle. There are women. If, if you're talking to uh, 40 people, 20 of whom are women and 20 of whom are men, and 10 of the men are, are struggling with porn, and only two of the women are struggling with porn, you still have two women in the room that need help and aren't getting Correct. it. Correct, yeah. Um, and of course, you know, porn is the easy sort of like 
example. But um, what are some other, what are things that like, like let's say somebody's listening now or heard your sermon mm-hmm. and they're just not going to read the book for whatever reason. <laughs> we won't get into why we yeah. argue with them, but they're just not going to read the book. What is something that you would want for them to take away? Maybe one for a man and one for a woman. Yeah. You know, I think at the start at the starting point, I would say, you know, in in reference to my sermon, you know, I was trying to get people to a starting point. Yeah. And I think that's important with the conversation around this is to get to the starting point of of really how does my view on sex and sexuality does it make me love and live like Christ? Mm-hmm. You know, I think getting to that starting point is like critical in the conversation because so often the conversation around sexuality starts with the act of sex or sexual attraction or what identity markers, whatever. And it's like, no, like that's actually not the start of it. Like the start of it is like, how do I, how is this rooted in Christ? And, and so that would be the first thing when it goes to, um, women, I would say on the front end, I would say, be aware and take some time to think about the messaging you received and how is that like shaped or formed you? You know, some of the things that, um, because sometimes, uh, you know, Lisa and I were talking about this, uh, you know, she has a very pure past, like in her decisions, but she was like starting to go through as we were talking through the book yeah. and she was listening to it as well. She was like, I just started like thinking about some of the messaging I received yeah. and thank God I didn't like listen to that, but it was there, yeah. you know? And, um, and so I think that piece is important. And to men, I would say on the front end, I would probably say do the same thing because uh, when you when you hit pause for a second and really think like well, how do I actually think about sex yeah. and what what actually what was really going through my head and then verbally processing that with somebody you start realizing how almost disorienting it can be yeah because you're like oh wait that's actually not okay right you know so that's where I would start what about like what would you I think mine would be um, probably more into like the gory details a little bit. Like um, a big takeaway for me that I would want everyone, I think men and women, to come away with is just the mechanics of like you should both have an orgasm. The mutuality of it, yeah. That's like kind of crazy. Like I think even in secular culture that's kind of like Mm -hmm. it made me realize that I had a deep-seated belief that I wanted to be a good lover or whatever and I want – but it was a bonus if she – had an orgasm right and but for me it was necessary because yeah. it'll, it'll hurt if i don't or it'll, sure. or it'll i'll somehow get sick or something you know yeah, like yeah. some stupid you're gonna get blue balls yeah man. get blue balls yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um and so just like the very simple reality that like uh i think applies to to just like good relationships in general uh is like <laughs> why why should you and not her and yeah like Maybe it's more complicated, you know, mechanically for her, or maybe you don't understand it. Maybe she doesn't understand how to like explain it to you. But if you're in a marriage, especially, you should be at a maturity level where you can have that conversation. Yeah. One thing she really pointed out, and I think this would be a great message for men and women, but for men, is how toxic and evil it is, this dichotomy that like, um, or almost like a juxtaposition or paradox that like, the only women in men's minds, especially I think evangelical or like Christian men, the only women that clearly communicate physically what they need and want are the women on porn. Mm. And, you know, like do that, don't do that, do more of that. And that is so distorted yeah. beyond you yeah, know, yeah. any reality because they're acting not well, but they're acting. Sure. right. Um, and so th- th- there's this maybe unintentional like um, neurological association with like. I don't want my wife to tell me what to do or like tell me what feels good because that's what girls on porn do. And she's Mm. a good girl. That's interesting. And it was like a weird, it's one of those things that like, it's a great example of an evil that exists in what's not said. And so our brains are just left to like make connections and the connections are bad. They're not good neurological, like neuropathways. Yeah. But it was all, it was all within what's not said. Right. It was like assumptions made in the in the spaces between what we're teaching teenagers and and young men and young women does that make sense it does yeah we you know when i do premarital counseling i one of the things i say during like the sex and intimacy session and and i i was like we need to be able to talk about this as couples in the same way we talk about a budget yep like you have to feel that free 
and, and establish like it's more important to have that kind of freeing conversation than the actual act. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you can't, if you can't like fully talk about it together and learn from one another and grow in that, then like sex is going to suck eventually. Like, it, like literally it'd be boring and like someone's not being fulfilled and eventually yeah. it becomes, you know, non-existent in a relationship. And so the reality of learning how to talk about it to, um, be free to talk about it, creating space, you know, understanding that like you have to have conversations about what you like, what you don't like, like how much, how much time do you feel like you need? And, you know, I, I think she said like the average woman needs like 20 minutes of foreplay, yeah. you know, to like really get in and yeah. aroused, you yeah. know? So it's like processing some of these things, um, in particular as a man, but like, you know, like understanding that conversationally we both have to be like, we want both of us to fully enjoy this yeah and that's like that kind of pushes back against and highlights some of the things that literally you could never watch a rated r movie you could never watch porn and there's still these um sort of permeating and devious concepts that you even hear from other married christian men like the idea of the quickie Mm -hmm. right like if 20 minutes of foreplay is the bare is, is like the average for most women I got news for you. Your wife probably doesn't want to ever do a quickie. <laughs> like, I mean, she might, like I would say to her, to Sheila's point in the book, yeah. she would say, sometimes a wife would. Maybe, you know, like there but, there could be yeah. like enough other things yeah. in the context of like that's that's the whole point about the our like sexual nature with our with our wives. It's like it's like there are things that can build up throughout a day. So mm-hmm. like you could have conversations and texts or whatever throughout a day that builds an arousal that like a quickie might be a viable thing for one reason or another right but i understand what you're typically a guy like i mean you didn't enjoy that yeah Yeah. right yeah (laughs) and and it's one of those things that like the little even like the sort of cutesy name of it yeah like you don't have to be some sort of sexual deviant to get it in your head that like yo when i get married we're gonna have quickies right like like it's not (laughs) it's a gross word um but that even just the idea i think she says it in the book at one point the idea that like and i I mean I, i probably struggle with this again not to you know ruminate on the gory details but like she asked the question like men can you imagine giving your wife an orgasm and then rolling over and going to bed and right. like being expected to just like roll over and go to sleep. <laughs> like no big deal. Yeah. Well then why do you expect that? Like I know. why? It's just insane. It is. Um, yeah. The messaging truly is even, uh, you know, she, they say in the book, the research show that 95% of church attendees say that the sexual message is for man's fulfillment in church. Yeah. You know, whenever a church talks about it, it's always about the man's fulfillment and it's never, about women and I just did a quick poll on our staff, mm-hmm. you know, of all the women on staff and I asked them, Hey, when you were growing up, um, like outside of hearing me give sermons because we have talked about it here, I was like, When when you were growing up and everything, did you ever hear like conversations around your needs and your sexuality and all of that when it came to sex? And all of them said no. Yeah. Every woman every on, woman which, on that's our staff. more than half our staff yeah. is women. Yeah, yeah. So so that is a very, you know, true statement about, yeah. you know, the messaging we receive even in church and even some of the stuff where, man, I'm going to get the terminology of, of the science term, um, where a woman's not able to actually physically able to have sex. It's like is it vaginismus, vaginismus. Yeah. I was, I, I was going to say that, but I didn't know if that was the right term, but that it it's highest among evangelical women yep. more than any other grouping of people mm-hmm. that. You know, then then there's a reason that that's yeah. a reality, yeah. you know. And so anyway, there's just some things like around our messaging that are just so critical around this. And I think one thing she did a really good job of unpacking that I would maybe be another like, OK, if you're not going to read the book, here's a good takeaway. I was definitely taught. And I think that there's some good in it. And she kind of highlights some good in it. This idea that like sex starts in the kitchen, mm-hmm. meaning like you unload the dishwasher, you do think, you know, whatever. But that not played out. Um, you know, that not kind of teased out more. She teases it out to like, yes, but also that it's not transactional. Right. Like, but I, un- I did uh, unloaded the dishwasher. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but I have a stomach ache. Or like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You cleaned all, you cleaned the house and took care of the kids today. But like we have, you know, Domino's pizza for dinner and I feel gross and greasy and farty and I don't want to have sex with you yeah. right now. It's like, that's okay. Yeah. Like it's not a one for one. And then, you know, 
you roll over dejected, but I did the dishes. It's yeah. Like, get over it. Like that, you know, it's not a, it's not a transactional situation. That's, there's yeah. a word for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and even some of these conversations we get into, um, you know, I've done a lot of marriage counseling over the years yeah. and some, some of the stories that, you know, I've heard have been just, you know, it's like interesting. Cause like I'll sit with people and we'll start talking about their sex life. And, you know, one person will say something like, I mean, I, I mowed the yard. I did like a vacuum. I'm doing all these different things and you still won't, you know, and then she'll reply with something and then, and then she'll say like, well, is there anything on my end? And he'll be like, oh, I just wish like maybe like you'd shower. And she'd be like, I didn't know that. And you know, right. and, and you realize like in these moments that they're not, this couple is not actually like having like real authentic conversations around this. Yeah. Like they're, they're operating off of like little messaging here and there and they think because you know they had good sex one time that it's just supposed to happen yeah you know every time yeah what do you think about she i really liked what she said about um she kind of at one point is like men there is a difference between noticing being attracted and lusting Mm -hmm. and that really hit me of just like you know with the bouncing the eyes thing which Mm -hmm. is like what is the is that from that's from every man's battle battle yeah Yeah. where you you bounce your eyes or whatever or or i i the thing that used to get told to me a lot was like is it daniel that runs out of the the chamber joseph joseph yeah Yeah. joseph runs out of the chamber with is it no No, what's her um, name Mm. Anyway, she gets naked and is like, you know, yes, have sex with me. And she's trying to trap him. It's Pharaoh's wife. I can't Pharaoh's remember. wife, yeah. yeah. And he just runs away. And yeah. so it was like, just run away. Just it's okay to just run away. And first off, that sets up like every girl as this really <laughs> like devious, you know, sure. sexually In that story, woman. it was proper to run away. Sure, yeah. But that <laughs> is very rarely do any of us find. <laughs> I certainly have never found myself in that situation. But um, this idea that like noticing attraction and lust being like different things. What do you, did you have any thoughts on that? I thought, yeah, you know, I've heard several other folks talk about that and I've actually taught that too. It's, you know, there's nothing wrong with this reality of attraction. Like it doesn't have to, like when you, man, that's a beautiful man or that's a beautiful woman or whatever. Like there's nothing wrong with that. You know, what she was referring to is like when you keep fixating yeah. and move it to moving to that person becoming part of your conquering or some way or using for your benefit or whatever. Like mm-hmm. there's, you know, that's where it transforms into, all right, now it's moving into the lust category and which is kind of like sexual greed, right? Which right. is what Paul talks about in yeah. Ephesians 5. But Do you feel like there, I know that there are people listening that are like, yeah, but like, what are the rules? <laughs> I know. Like, do you feel, is it really just a, it's different for everybody? Like what, what are some of the things that you tell folks in counseling or on one-on-ones with, with men specifically, but maybe yeah. with women too, of like, you know, here's how you can determine where your line is. Because this is something I've really struggled with where it's like, I you know, I'm a four in the Enneagram or whatever, but like beauty is a thing to me. Like sure, I, yeah. I can see it in men. I can see it in women. Like I, I like, I'm, I'm like the kind of weirdo that will like walk up to a woman and just be like, I, that outfit looks, you know, your haircut. Like, like the first thing I yeah. wanted to say to Lacey today was like, your hair looks great. <laughs> and I know that's weird for some women, but like legitimately, I just like, yeah, yeah. I noticed that kind of stuff. I remember, uh, when, um, my sister like got her wedding dress for her wedding and she like came down the stairs to show everybody and I was like, oh, it's like a mermaid cut. And she's like, how do you know that? I was like, I honestly don't know. I don't even really like fashion that much. Um, but for me, that always under the sort of like di- um, the sort of duality of like, okay, in secular thought, that's good and I should lean into it and I'm just a sexual creature. Yeah. In evangelical thought, it's bad. And like, if I notice that a waitress's hair looks nice, or or maybe the skirt fits her, she's got a pencil skirt on, and it fits better for her yeah. figure or whatever, then I'm a monster. And I didn't, so it was always one or the other. You know, it was like mm-hmm. it would. I would find noticing somebody looked good in a thing would like launch me into like, oh, I must be lusting. Well, since I'm lusting already, I might as well, you know, right. just like lean into it. Might, you know, it's the mind yeah. as well thing. How do you sort of? Um, navigate that as a counselor with people this dif- this differentiation between like it's okay to notice that somebody looks nice or is attractive mm-hmm. versus lusting i do think it's different for different people you know um like i've got a good friend who his just natural thing is to be like 
smile looks great on you. Yeah. Like as they're coming into church. Yeah. You know, or like, man, love that smile. Yeah. And and he's just say like there's nothing there. He's like literally just saying it. You know, um, I think everyone's different with that. I think when you begin speaking with people, it's like you got to really get to the root of like where some of these things are coming from and you have to be okay with where that is. And so like, if I were sitting down with you, I'd be like, Matt, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's just something you appreciate and that's okay. And like lean into that. Like, that's all right. And, um, but I think for other people, you have to take a step back. So a lot of times with like guys, we'll start walking through like some things like, Hey, what are some things you can actually begin to do? Like understanding, um, do I, do I really respect women or no? Yeah. You know, and Come to grips with that. When I when I'm looking at a woman, do, how am I thinking about her as something for me to conquer, or actually just I appreciate she's beautiful. Mm. Well, I actually I think sexually I'm like, all right. Well, where does that come from? And you start having to dig into the core things. And then for people, I again I'm a big trajectory guy, so I I try and get people to understand. Look how far you've come. Mm-hmm. Look at the conversation. And, you know, and it's going to keep getting better because that's like the story of my own life. When I think about you know, I saw my, I saw the Playboy channel when, um, I was either eight or nine. That was when I first saw, um, the Playboy channel and my, my brother's friends who were, you know, eight, nine years older than me thought it was funny Mm -hmm. to show me the Playboy channel. I never got like addicted to porn or anything. I'm actually never did much of porn at all. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, it did send me in a direction around women of like how to treat women and everything else. Like, uh, when I was 10 years old, I had a babysitter, um, and I try to undo her bra. Hmm. Like, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Right? Eight or nine to be exposed to it at just that age. Yeah. It's like that really locks in like yeah. neurologically. If you totally. were a little younger, you would have been like, I don't understand what I'm seeing. Correct. And if you're a little older, it would have had an effect on you, but not in a way that it like really dialed into like your developing brain. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that like sent me in a direction, you know, with it. So there were a lot of things. So for me, like even as a teen and everything having no one really speak into my life around it. And I was just getting messaging from the world, honestly, and then horrible messaging from church. Mm -hmm. And so I was just in a place throughout college and even just, even when I got back into like a really good spot with Jesus and having this transformative thing happen, I still was not in a good space in how I viewed women, you know? And yeah, I took a year off dating, all those other things. And then I met Lacey. But even in the beginning with Lacey and I, like, even how I viewed her, it was, it was more on the lust end. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was deeply attracted and deeply loved her, but there was a, we didn't have sex before marriage, but there was a ton of lust going on. Yeah. Now someone could argue, yeah, but she was going to be your wife. Like, yeah, but it was still how I was processing all of it was not in the right manner. You there, know what I mean? Yeah. That brings up a good point that I want to be real clear about. There's no good lust. Right. Yeah. That is, that is a message of yeah culture. Like there's no such thing as good lust. Like if I lust after my wife, it's no different or better than me lusting after someone I'm not married to. Because it's a power dynamic exactly. with like, yeah, you know. Lust is about possession. About owning possession, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what ended up having happened for me was like, it was, I took significant steps at different points. And um, and so, and, and even to this day at 45 years old, I realize because of what was wired, you know, I mean, for so many years, um, that is an area where I have to be like insanely careful with. And, um, and diligent about, we were even having a conversation this morning about, like, I was like, have you ever been following someone on Instagram? Yeah. Like, and, and I was just making a comment that there was someone I followed that was just like, she was just in an, like, she was doing something to be provocative and I only follow her cause, we, well, there's a story about that, but like, I was just like, ah, yeah you know, and so I'm going to mute her, yeah. you know, but like, it just like, uh, it's like an area of like, I just got always have to be you know, careful with. Yeah. And even in that scenario, like you're not going to DM her and tell her she needs to be more modest. No, you're going to mute her. Yes. <laughs> like that's, that's it's yeah. not a, you know, it's not yeah. like, you know, that's your thing and that's a problem for you and you're realistic yeah. with that about yourself. Um, I, yeah, I, I think another, um, what do you think? We'll kind of end on this, this idea of like the bouncing the eyes. Mm-hmm. My knee jerk reaction is very much like, um, no, like look her in her face. How about you don't, how about you bounce your <laughs> eyes up to her eyes and recognize that she's made in the image and likeness of God, like for better, for worse, that's that even before this book, like I, I had a sense that 
this idea of like running from the chamber, bouncing the eyes is just like not applicable in every situation. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways actually reinforces accidentally the, um, the dehumanization thing, because it's like, she's not a donut you want to eat. <laughs> so that you, you know, like sure. I, I'm trying to get my eating under control. Right. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's good that if I walk in with a box of Krispy Kreme donuts, like I should leave. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't need to see them as human. Right. I yeah. just need to get away from them. Yeah. This is a human. You know, what? what is your kind mm -hmm. of take on the maybe some of the good and and the bad or the usefulness and non usefulness of this idea of like running from the chamber, bouncing the eyes? I, I do think it's a both and. And okay. here's why. I think in the same way, you know, we're reading in the book that we're reading for staff, you know, or, or on Switch, and they yeah. talk about how, hey, an easy way to eat less is just you should just use smaller plates. Mm -hmm. And like and that discipline of doing that actually shrinks, you know, like it gets you into a good habit. So I think in the same way when we start, when you're like the bouncing the eyes thing, what you're doing is if you understand the purpose of the bouncing the eyes, not that you're some sexual deviant that can't control something or whatever it's like if you're using the bouncing eyes and being like you know what i see her and i'm bouncing it because like i want to respect her mm. like and and i want to also put a discipline in my life to be like right now i'm at a place where if i just keep looking i i know what's going to happen so here's what i want to do i see it i recognize it and i want to bounce mm -hmm. then i think if that's the mindset then you're doing it with the purpose of like i want to be respectful of her i want to create the right discipline and self-control and be aware of what's going on in me yeah. now if you're doing the bouncing the eyes thing just being like oh my gosh it's bounce, bounce your eyes bounce your eyes bounce your eyes, bounce your eyes. Yeah. you know it's like there's no like actual like meaning behind it right you know so i think that can be a good thing because what if, if the start of it is like, I want to respect her as who she is as a sister in Christ or whatever, I want to respect her as a woman. And so what I'm doing is, and obviously a woman could do this towards a man too. This isn't either, it's either way. Um, but like I, I see it. And the reason why I'm quote unquote bouncing is like, I respect who she is. Mm -hmm. And I understand that like, I'm just going to do that. Yeah. That's how I would view That's it. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, we're we're up at time. We could keep going, but um, we want to save some questions for when we actually have Sheila here on the podcast. Um, if you have questions, quips, comments, concerns, quotes, um, you can send them to staycurious at hillcityrva.com. I want to reiterate, like, there's a very good chance that you are listening to this, especially maybe if you're a woman, but for a man too, and you're just like, I can't believe that they didn't say this, they did say that legitimately please send them in we would love to like do a part two um let us know if there's something we missed something we got terribly wrong in your opinion um whatever because i i would love to keep having this yeah. conversation and make it be more of a conversation between us and you all out there um so stay curious at hillcityrva.com rate and review us and share the episode if you get a chance and as always until next time remember to stay curious, curious.